rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I like Demons well enough, but I think I liked it better when it was called Paper Hearts. <laughs> uh, in some ways, yes. It is certainly the aperitif to uh, Gethsemane. It is kind of introducing... It, it, it's it's dealing with some of the themes that we had in Paper Hearts and that we are picking up again in Gethsemane in kind of a ridiculous way because... Um, the closest thing the episode has to a villain, which is this doctor, is ridiculous, right? Like, his motivations are ridiculous. He's just an evil, terrible psychiatrist, right? Like, and yet for its exploration of what the show's actual themes are, I kind of like it. I mean, I can see that. I I, I think I like the episode in theory, but I don't really like it in execution. And yeah, I can you know, see I'm it not, being. I'm not. I can see it being a less interesting episode the second or third time around. Yeah, I think you're going to have to sell me on it because, like, I'm not totally convinced that the psychiatrist is supposed to be evil. I don't know exactly what he's doing. It certainly doesn't seem great. Well, but... that that a, a, un, un, unethical, I think, is a better way of phrasing it because he he's. The best I can tell is that he's doing this revolutionary technique and he uh, is doing it in a really terrible way and it's a stupid technique. Like, his therapy involves jamming you full of ketamine and drilling a hole in your brain. Like, he had to have thought somewhere along the line that this is not the best treatment method, right? I mean, certainly, I think that drilling a hole in someone's head is perhaps not the best way to go about helping them resolve their memories that they can't remember. But at the same time, I'm not really sure why that's in the episode other than to make this so patently a bad idea. You know, because one of the things that I struggle with with this episode is that... You know, it's it's set up as this mystery. It's set up in this, um, you know, in media race sort of situation where Mulder wakes up, doesn't know where he is. There's blood on his shirt. He's he's very upset. Obviously, he calls Scully because, of course, at this point in their relationship, who else is he going yeah. to call? He basically has no one else to call. Uh, Scully makes a seven and a half hour drive in about an hour and a half, which is good for her uh, because you know, driving from Washington D.C. to Providence, Rhode Island, does not take an hour and a half. But you know, hey, whatever show. Um, and then she gets there and it, it becomes this sort of like, okay, we have to figure out what's going on here. We have to figure out, did you actually kill these people? What is happening? And there's all just something vaguely unsatisfying about it. And I don't think it's intentional because if the episode was intentionally unsatisfying, I think that would have been a more interesting episode. And what I mean by that is the entire episode is hinging around what do you believe? What do you not believe? What memories do you have? Do you have memories you can't access? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And if the episode had played around with that more and had been more unsatisfying in the way that, well, Scully and Mulder are never really going to know what happened to Cassandra and her husband, or Amy and her husband. Because they just don't know that that would be more interesting. But the episode just kind of doesn't get there ever to me. In some ways, this reminds me of what we were saying about Elegy last week, where, you know, the episode, the mystery was unsatisfying, but it didn't seem like it was intentionally enough. So um, the stuff that's hung around the mystery is pretty strong. um, But the mystery itself... I guess what this episode needs to sell me in is that Mulder is so desperate to find out the truth of what happens that he is going to intentionally let himself get jammed with ketamine and have a hole drilled into his brain. Like, that is what the episode needs me to believe, and I'm not sure if I can go quite there. That's interesting because I completely think Mulder would do that. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Like I, I, he just strikes me as the kind of person that's like, yeah, sure, drill a hole in my head. I don't give a shit. Um, I mean, you know, let's not forget that the Mulder and Scully have like scar scar tissue in ninety five percent of their body at this point, and they're just held together with scar tissue. But you know, what 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 really gets it to me is, and I think this is going to be an interesting criticism because. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about on Tuning In and Trek about is sort of the limits of serialization and the limits of, of quote unquote prestige television. And, you know, The X Files is certainly neither of those things. It, it, it existed before those things became concepts. And 
I can buy that Mulder would be desperate to figure out the truth of what happened to his sister after the events of Paper Hearts, where, you know, Paper Hearts is this sort of like dramatic, you know, laying down cards on the table, questioning the very nature of of the story at the heart of this series. And it didn't really come to any resolutions, which was a brave choice. We both really liked that episode. And that episode happened towards the beginning of the season. Here we are at the end of the season, let's say 10 or 12 episodes later, um, a few months later. And there has been really no uh, discussion, not even an offhand mention of that in any way, shape, or form. The fact that Mulder has had this very sort of like existential shock to his origin story in a sense, that he is unsure what happened to his sister that has been driving him forward. And then suddenly this episode picks it up. And usually that works. Usually I'm okay with that. But I think with something like this, you needed to kind of seed that a little more. Yeah, to make it, you know, Scully could have had a line like, I know you've been you know, unsure of what's happened to Samantha, but, you know, there are, what do, you know, there is a way that this episode could have been written that was aware of Paper Hearts, maybe. Yeah, because, I mean, in a similar way to, I think there's a perfect example of how to do it in this, in in the previous couple of episodes, which is how they've been handling Scully's cancer. You know, there, there haven't been, like, a lot of Scully has cancer episodes, but they've mentioned it a few times. She's gotten a nosebleed. Uh, You know, Mulder has asked her how she's been or, or whatever. And it's nothing that really calls attention to itself, but it just acts as a reminder to the audience that this is something that is happening to Scully. This is a plot point in the show. And, the the way that the show uses Samantha has always been of that nature as well, which makes it even doubly weird that Paper Hearts happened and then it basically doesn't get mentioned again until this episode. Yeah, and it's not like, for example, the right the writer of Paper Hearts is a producer on the show, so you know the show is the 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 production team is very aware Paper Hearts existed. I mean, even if this this episode is written by just somebody else. I, I guess you're right. There is kind of no excuse to forget that particular point. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't know, leave, leaving that aside, though, because I think we've said about as much yeah. as we can say about that. Like, is this a satisfying episode? Like, in and of itself, is it satisfying? Well, again, this this episode does have some kind of bizarre or cartoonish moments to it. And again, I, I didn't quite like the psychiatrist and his method and all of that but it's a little silly but i think that makes i i i i mean again these two episodes as a pairing demons is the concept done a little bizarre and gethsemane is that concept done very you know deadly straight um this is talking about Mulder's inability to find the truth and how he's on this wild goose chase and you know, he's just going to see something and run with it and go in any crazy direction that seems like it might fit his conception that, you know, Samantha was abducted, there were aliens, and I've got to figure out the truth of what happened. And if in Demons that is ridiculous, Gethsemane is a weaponized version of that. Um, is that done very deliberately? But, you know, in some ways, maybe it's a little redundant. We've seen Mulder getting to this place so many times before. Whether it was something as simple as grotesque or, you know, something early on as in I'm going to run into the Air Force base with a bunch of guns drawn at me and I don't care. Um, Mulder does this. I mean, I guess you're – I mean, I I do take your point where, yeah, Mulder would get a hole drilled into his brain if it would help him figure out the truth. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that anything that Mulder did before the events of this episode strikes me as out of character for Mulder. I don't, I don't see any evidence that he would not do this. I just think that the the actual construction of the episode is is just not great. I mean, as you said, like it, 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 it I think redundant is a perfect word for this episode. It just feels like we've been here before, you know. We know the story of Samantha. We know the party line that Mulder has believed since he was 12 years old or however old he was supposed to be. We know the story that he's told Scully. 
And this information that we get in this episode isn't really information at all. It's whatever it is. It's ketamine-induced you know, hysteria. And yeah, particularly is it could- true? Is it not true? I don't know. But the episode doesn't seem to really care if it's true or not. It just seems to want to give us these sort of like trippy flashbacks. And I'm not super interested in trippy flashbacks. Yeah. there. I mean, there's an imp- a very brief implication that, you know, what if the cigarette smoking man is Mulder's actual father? But you know, again, Scully's bit at the end where she's saying, you know, this isn't the truth. This isn't the way that you find it. Um, you know, he could be making connections that don't exist. It doesn't, you know, in other words, if it turns out that the cigarette smoking man is Mulder's actual father, this is not the episode that's the revelation of that. We're going to have that have to have that properly revealed. Um, this is about him chasing ghosts and chasing, you know, ridiculousness, but just on his own. Um Again, part of it is dealing with the way that we're watching it, where we have, you know, other than our break for uh, In the Flesh, we have been watching this series straight through every week, and we have all of the episodes available to us. And, you know, while most of the viewers would have counted every week, um, this episode, I think, is re- is bringing these things up. This is a... This is a very elaborately elaborate previously on The X-Files in some ways. In some ways, yeah. I mean, I, I do think at a certain point it would be interesting to to talk about how people watched The X-Files because, yeah. you know, it, it's always been my impression. I don't have any data to back this up, but but it's always been my impression that this was one of those shows that people taped every week. I mean, VCRs yeah. did exist at this point and they were widespread. Oh, yeah. So, you know, even if even if someone missed an episode here or there, uh, I think that, that generally speaking, if you were a fan of The X-Files, you were watching every single episode yeah, yeah, yeah. either live or on tape and i mean i think the ratings bear that out the ratings didn't really fluctuate from week to week very widely um certainly they did sometimes i, I always wonder about that like did people just forget to change the channel or something I, I don't know i think in that case you're right but in another case you're wrong because yeah. the other part of that too is that like yeah this is kind of like a previously on the X-Files episode couched in a mystery that frankly isn't very interesting because we know Mulder didn't kill these people. I yeah. mean, that would be the end of the show. I mean, there, there's just no way. I mean, in a similar way to Gethsemane where the show well, yeah. starts, the episode starts with, with you know, Scully, um, you know, uh, finding his dead body, confirming that it's his, identifying the body. But of course, we don't see the body. So yeah. it's not Mulder. Yeah, they go out but, of their way to not show that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And of course... You know, what's going on with Mulder? How did he fake his death? Is a more interesting question than did Mulder kill these people in some ways? Right, because he didn't. Like, we know he didn't. And and even if he did, like, let's say it was self-defense or something, he, he's going to get off. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to for me is, like, the mystery at the heart of demons isn't really interesting. And it's not interesting because we already kind of know that... Mulder's version of Samantha's abduction may or may not be true. I mean, he, I think Paper Hearts leans on the it was true more than not that the serial killer in that episode was was just toying with Mulder and didn't ever really have anything to do with his sister. But the question is still open at the end of the episode that if it wasn't that particular serial killer, maybe something else happened to her. Yeah. And she was abducted by someone else. Maybe she just decided to run away and never came home and was hit by a car. I mean, we don't know. There's a lot of different possibility i mean i think the show has made it clear that it's either aliens or the government has kidnapped her or some kind of alliance but um certainly we know now that it's a bit more complex than what was first presented in episode one which is that you know at some point aliens just rolled the dice and found samantha and randomly kidnapped her we know it's a lot more of a story than that but um we know she was abducted against her will. We know it probably has to do with aliens, but more than that, yeah, we don't quite know that. Uh, but but I think it is fairly clear that it was not a serial ki- – you know, the killer from Paper Hearts was not the one to capture her. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Well, and I, I think the other thing, too, that we need to, we need to talk about is – well, Amy and her husband, right? And and also this this police officer, all of whom seem to have either believed they were alien abductees in the case of Amy and her husband. I don't know if they said that the officer was supposed to be an alien abductee as well. I don't think so, but it's well, possible. Well, he is the one who had the alien abductee magazine, so... Um... Yes. Okay, so yes, he was. 
But this treatment, obvious. I mean, part of what is so weird about this episode, right, is that we are supposed. Amy and Cassandra are supposed to represent the the ultimate end of Mulder's situation, and then the cop is supposed to show us how they get to that point. So, you know, the the, the treatment that all four of them received, the, the ketamine and injected into their skull and all that kind of stuff, um, ultimate. The ultimate aim of that is some sort of murder suicide, right? That that yeah. it drives you to kill yourself. And the the police officer in the episode, the brief scenes we see with him, uh, you know, sort of telegraphing that he's insane, you know, cutting out his own face from all the pictures and dripping blood and stuff like that, is just supposed to show how that happens. But it's not. Again, it's not interesting, and we know that's not going to happen to Mulder because he's the main character of the show. Yes. Um. He's such a bad psychiatrist if this is happening to these patients. But um, there is a certain web of coincidences going on that we need to accept in this episode. We need to accept that – I mean Mulder meets abductees. That's kind of one of his things he does. We've seen several times throughout the series, you know, somebody who's been abducted contacts him. So for the Cassandras to be contacting him is not unusual. Okay. Um you know, that they happen to be seeing the psychiatrist and that Mulder decides to do the treatment and that this treatment is a murder-suicide thing, that's a level of coincidence. That it also happens to be a police officer at the jail where Mulder is, that's a level of coincidence. I don't know, it just seems a little hokey in some ways. But, you know, I it's not impossible. It's not completely against the odds, but... You know, there is a very particular series of circumstances that are necessary in this episode, I guess. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think there is some leeway given to the X-Files only because you're watching yeah. a show about aliens and monsters. And that's fine. I don't necessarily care about plot holes. I don't necessarily care about coincidence. I mean, that is something that, that fiction is built on. Yeah. But, you know, in a, like in a very real sense, though... The, the what comes down to me about the the entire events of this is just why would Mulder not tell Scully he was doing this? Like, and there there's just too many plot holes. I don't necessarily notice plot holes that often, but when I'm noticing plot holes, they're either very egregious or the episode is not very good. Yeah, I mean, I can come up with the answer. Okay, well, maybe he didn't think he would lose an entire weekend. Like, he figured, all right, I'm just going to pop to Providence for a few minutes, and, you know, that's going to be my Friday, and then I'll be back by Saturday lunchtime, and all of this crap happens. I mean, that's, I guess, the closest to an explanation I can get to, but it's me making one up that the episode doesn't provide. Right, exactly. Or, like, uh, another example of a plot hole that bothered me was they make a big deal out of scully telling Mulder that she is going to drive them to her parent to his parent to his mother's house uh and that she wants the key she explicitly says give me the keys to the car and then they get to her parent they get to his mother's house you know Sc- uh, Mulder and her his mother have you know this this dramatic uh, you know scene which we'll talk about and then Mulder gets in the car and drives away how did he get the keys yeah she Are didn't put them in her that he like he he uh, like shop you know he pocketed them from scully she put them on the uh in the dish in the hallway like that that's you know the closest i can come to again closest i can come to an explanation i didn't even notice that but you're right yeah but like why would she do that no i, I know mean, that's I know. the thing like you could you could make an explanation for why these things happen but the in an episode that is already not very good these kind of things just bother me more than they would in another episode yeah. it's just an example of the writer being like you know what i don't give a shit i just need this to happen to get to a point and i'm not going to worry about does it make sense or not and again in some ways given that this is a 22 you know again the 15 episode version of the season this episode would not exist the 22 episode version 23 episode all right, it's a filler episode, and if it doesn't 100% line up, well, you know, we're going to hope the people don't uh, think about it until the episode is over. Again, maybe that but is a, a little cynical of a way of writing a show. It's true. 
Um, there is. I mean, I I would agree with you, but I don't think this is a filler episode. I mean, like you said yeah. before, this has a lot of resonances to Gethsemane, which is very much not a filler episode. This is about one of the central beliefs that drive the entire series. This is not a filler episode. Okay, that's a fair point. Um, again, to me, this is the wacky, unrealistic version of, you know, Mulder doesn't know what the truth is. Mulder will go on a wild tangent uh, and cling desperately to any belief and let's deal with the uh, possibility of Mulder killing himself alone. This is the wacky version of it. Gethsemane is the deadly serious version of that. I don't know if these two episodes were so deliberately paired together, but, you know, I get these episodes as a pair and that I do see them as kind of mirrors of each other in that way. I mean, yes, certainly I think that a lot of Mulder's actions in Gethsemane can be, you know, kind of given additional weight by how desperate he appears to be in Demons. That's certainly the case. You know, I also think that it is driven by the fact that there's this mystery that's that's sort of put forward at the uh, or this question that's put forward in this episode when Mulder goes to to confront his mother about the cigarette smoking man, about these things that he thinks he saw as a child about the cigarette, the young cigarette smoking man and his mother in an embrace or having some sort of affair. And, you know, he re- he reads into that as, okay, the cigarette smoking man is my father. His mother doesn't want to talk about it. Like, A, Mulder's not a very good son because we've <laughs> already had a scene where he goes and berates his mother about something and she's like, I can't remember. I can't remember. In fact, that happened in Paper Hearts. Huh. And it's just the, the fact that, like, Mulder doesn't seem to remember that his mother is not well anymore and like for him to drive from providence rhode island to greenwich connecticut which is like two and a half hours away i just keep harping on the distances here because like obviously no one writing this show is from the east coast because you cannot drive from providence rhode island to greenwich connecticut in like 45 minutes but anyway yeah uh, i know don't they make i mean they they he talks about this house in rhode island and he's saying oh my parents had a house in you know wherever connecticut which he may, I, I, I didn't even pick up on that, but you're right. Like he makes it seem like they're the same area. Right, right. They're they're not the same area at all. And like even even the fact of the matter is, I think they grew up uh, in Massachusetts, which okay, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, they're fa- fairly close together. If you want to, you know, summer in Rhode Island, that's fine. But th- there's that scene just rubs me the wrong way because. Like, he doesn't tell Scully what he's doing, what he thinks happened, and she's not like, hey, maybe it's not a good idea to drive two and a half hours in, like, a blind rage to go confront your elderly mother about something that you think happened because a doctor injected ketamine into your brain. Like, I don't know. There's just... I mean, let's... let, let It's not great. Let's... let's We will... Well, what I will say is that uh, his mother having an affair with the cigarette smoking man, that is a thing. I mean, it is has been made very clear that they had had a relationship. Whether or not he's his real father is an open question still at this point. But, you know, Mulder does use his ketamine experience to pick up on that. That is something that he is that is a revelation to him in this episode. That is a genuine revelation. I mean, yeah, that that is a fair point, certainly. And I, I don't want to discount the, the whole thing. Yeah. But and it is clear it's... that, you know, his mother has kept some pretty dark secrets from him in his time um you know she does know more about samantha than she has ever told and she is still hiding something about it whether that you know earns him the right to berate her as he does i don't know that's that i'll leave to you know that i'm not going to go go with that question right now but well, I mean, I think it's the, the the last thing I'll say before we move on to Gethsemane is that uh, the scenes with Mulder and his mother always boil down to Mulder thinks he knows something about his past or about Samantha and he wants to yell at his mother <laughs> about it. And just something about, I don't know if it's Duchovny's acting choices in those scenes. I don't know if it's about the way they're written. I don't know if it's about the way they're blocked. But it just, like, like Duchovny is just looming over her. And it, it's just got this, like, air of, of menace about it that I don't know is intentional but always bothers me. I can see that. Um, he comes off as a lot more immature in these scenes. I mean, he's raging at his mom. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess that is part of it and um it is difficult to rage at a parent without becoming a teenager in a way. Uh 
I mean, even the, the scenes with Scully, you know, with her mom, there is, you know, Scully seems younger in those scenes a little bit, but not quite as much as, uh, as Mulder does because, you know, Scully is usually a bit more calm with her mom, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. Scully's not the type of person to, to start yelling at her mother, really. Yeah. But, but still, I, I, I think an amount of adolescence is not unintentional there. I think that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I think that kind of kind of helps me pinpoint why those scenes just kind of creep me out so much. Yeah, but they they actually th- that I think is that actually I I mean I, I I think on Duchovny's part that's an intentional part of it. I think he is deliberately acting adolescent in that. It because because yeah, yeah. it's very clear that Mulder and his parents did not get a healthy relationship. Right, you know, something happened. Be- you know, his parents got divorced. There are so many secrets on all sides that they never learned to have an honest adult relationship with each other. And so, if their interactions are slightly pathological, I think that's how the relationship is. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, Scully is the more well-adjusted of the two. It's a good opportunity for us to transition over to Gethsemane, maybe, but quickly just i want to remind you all that this podcast is listener supported please go to patreon.com slash truck about show if you would like to support us if you like what we do uh all the money goes to the podcast and uh we appreciate it very much so again patreon.com slash truck about show i mean as unsatisfying as demons is i think that gethsemane is really really satisfying in a lot of ways and I think key to why it's so satisfying is is Scully and and those scenes with her family because they so nicely uh, uh, show exactly how dysfunctional Mulder's family is. Yeah, I mean Scully is certainly Scully didn't want to tell their mom about her cancer initially. She hid so much of that. You know, there was the scene where you know the mother's yelling at her and. Um, uh, Memento Mori, I believe it was. And, you know, you find that she has tried to keep it secret from her brother. And both of them are very, are heartbroken that, you know, Scully has put up this wall about that because I, I, I mean, I'm thinking about the scene where the brother is, you know, getting upset at her and he's like, you know, you're, you're not, you you know you're not opening yourself up to us you know you're not you know thinking about your responsibility to us and the fact that you know we're there for you you know but you're going to be there for this guy Mulder like who isn't even here you know he he isn't even you know part of the implication is that the family feels that you know it would be one thing if Mulder were driving her to hospital every day and were visiting her all the time and was you know doing the duty that he owes to you know his sick coworker but you know, he's not. And yet, for Scully, I think Scully trusts Mulder because he is not prying too much into her. You know, she, I mean, she says she doesn't want them to know about her condition because she finds it very personal. She, uh, you know, and partially due to the fact that she is a doctor, feels almost very embarrassed and mortified and, you know, uncomfortable with having disease. And, in some ways, if she doesn't deal with the disease openly, she might not really have it. She is in a lot of denial about it, I would say. Yeah, I, I think that's all true. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there because, you know, we, we've talked before on, on Tuning In about, you know, how the X-Files was Mulder's life, that he essentially has no life has no personal life it, it, it's all work it's all the quest it's all this all-consuming uh you know journey that he's on to uncover the, the the existence of extraterrestrials and figure out what happened to his sister and while it is very much driven by a personal loss he has not uh, shared it with anyone and he has basically walled himself off from having his own personal life and Scully has kind of also made that choice, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we've talked before about how early in the first season, early in the very beginning of the show, the show did experiment with having her go on a date or having her show up at a kid's birthday party or whatever. And it it very quickly made an affirmative choice that Scully was going to also get sucked into the X-Files as her life, as Mulder did. 
And I think what what Gethsemane makes clear, both with how the show has developed that and with her cancer, is that she didn't tell, I mean, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but she didn't like tell her family this decision. Like she didn't clue her family in, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Scully's parents were the first set of parents we saw on the show. I don't think it's, and and we didn't see, we didn't see Mulder's parents until there was a conspiracy reason to see them. Um, Scully has always been the more well-rounded of the two of them. And I think that for Scully's family, for her mother, for her brother, you know, for her dead sister, of course, who, who let's not forget, uh, was murdered precisely because of her involvement in the X-Files and this conspiracy accidentally, but still it is a result of that. And not coincidentally that, family- that I know her death is mentioned in this episode, like we are reminded of it. Right, right. That that all of these things, I think, are really re- her her mother and her brother are really reaching a breaking point at this, and they don't understand why Scully is keeping them out. And I think, to a degree, Scully is wondering why she's keeping them out too. I mean, there is the scene where they're at the museum, and Scully says something like, "You know, it's not my dying wish to find the existence of aliens." Like. You know, this is up there with why don't I have a desk? Why am I not bringing the cases? You know, but, you know, from never again. But, you know, Scully is along for the ride. This is not her vocation. This is where she is. This is where somebody she does care deeply about has this vocation. But unlike Mulder, she's not going to die for the X-Files. She is not a person who is going to strap herself in and do ketamine just to maybe find out the answer. Uh and frankly, now that death is actually staring her in the face very actively, uh, she's beginning to wonder if it was a waste. I mean, particularly if, you know, the X-Files are illegitimate as she is testifying to the committee in the framing scenes of this episode. You know, what was the point of all of that? So if she's going to die at age 30, having spent the past few years of her career doing on a wild goose chase. Well, yeah, because I mean, I think that's the other part of it that I was about to bring up, and I, I'm glad you did bring it up because you know, if if we take this all as as gospel, right? Ha ha, Gethsemane. Um, you know, if we take this all as gospel, that uh, you know, Scully made this affirmative choice to to make the X Files her life, to make this this quest her life, to make Mulder's quest her life, to kind of shunt away a personal life, to to really sort of confuse her family into this, because like I said before, I, I don't think Scully um, was the type of person to to do that before it always seemed that her family was kind of clued into her decisions i mean let's not forget that her father was not happy when she joined the fbi but you know he wanted her to go off and 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 be a, a practicing doctor but he he was like all right whatever but she was she was telling them about these choices and I, I, I think what's what's key to this episode is that it seems very very clear to me now that she did not clue her family in to the choices she has been making over the past four years and that's been a slow process i don't think it was a i don't think it was a, a conscious decision she made it was just a a you know kind of a, 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 a you know a um a result of what she was doing what the work she was doing and and now you get this framing device in gethsemane where she is you know testifying to the well not really testifying but having a meeting with the FBI yeah. honchos about the the illegitimacy of of the X-files and interestingly enough i don't think um, um i don't think uh, uh skinner was in on that meeting i didn't no you know, i didn't I see him seeing him there yeah actually that, that's he, interesting right he kind of deliberately isn't in this episode that's pretty interesting um yeah and and then also you know just to finish my point that you know, the, so so the framing device that this episode is using is very interesting because it seems to be drawing attention to Scully's uncomfortability surrounding the choices that she's made over the last four years and coming down on the side of Scully has made an affirmative choice to say that the X-Files are illegitimate and that she is kind of going off into the sunset. She is going to die of this horrible disease knowing that she did something. What was that something? Destroying Mulder's work. Now, of course, is that what actually is going to happen? No, but it's an interesting framing device nonetheless. As we said, obviously Mulder is not dead. We know that Mulder is not dead. Um, and so there is an, you know, what what I am doing is questioning all of her story at this point. Is she, 
you know, for example, is she testifying to the illegitimacy of the web, the X Files, and lying about finding the body to protect Mulder? You know, is this their their move against the conspiracy? Like, what is going on? We are intended to question the reliability of her testimony during those scenes. Um, is she, I I get the sense that she is not being candid with them. She is playing some cards close to her vest and. And, you know, frankly, the scenes as we've seen them may not even be as they happened. Because it is done as a narrative. I don't know. I'm not sure how unreliable she is supposed to be as a narrator, but she's not being entirely truthful. Um, I don't know, because, I mean, well, this episode wasn't didn't really have narration though quote unquote and and so i don't know that we're supposed to think that that she is retelling this i i don't get that sense from the episode i mean i i did that that would change it that would change it significantly i think well either way uh she does see a body she does say yes that's Mulder, and then she does tell the committee yes i saw Mulder's body he killed himself so at the very least those statements are in question um the rest of which, yes, there could be a bunch of things. It could be a faked body. Yes, that's true. You know, which is also interesting. I mean, I think that that your your theory that demons and Gethsemane were, were paired is is probably right because, of course, what does demons hinge on? The people getting this treatment kill themselves. What does Gethsemane start out yeah. with? Oh, Mulder's committed suicide, and that the ultimate kind of. That this path leads to madness and death in a way that there is no uh, satisfying solution and that, uh, you know, Mulder is going to realize that his work is fruitless and that he is, uh, you know, going to kill himself when he comes to that loss of faith. Right. And and I don't, you know, I don't want to go down a road of, of asking you what you think is going to happen because, of course— You'll be wrong, yeah. and there's no way to know. You know, I think suffice suffice it to say, Mulder isn't dead, and, yeah. and you know, Mul- you know, Scully is lying to the FBI guys. But you know, it, it's an interesting framing device, nonetheless. And I also think that you could believe it, right? Like, I don't think that there's anything in this episode. Well, maybe not Scully testifying to the illegitimacy of the X Files. I, I don't think she would do that, but. Because I don't think she believes that. I don't think that that she would have committed herself to this work no. for for four years now, not believing it. I think that she is not a believer yet, but she is getting there. And, and put it this way: she knows that you know she knows the fluke guy existed. She knows that there are a bunch of cases that were as they were, and you know maybe she doesn't believe in aliens, but she can't say the entirety of the work is useless. Especially considering that disproving things is a legitimate use of science. So in a way, it's not yeah. It's not like, you know, she goes and says, well, aliens didn't exist. I proved aliens wrong. That I did science, you know, in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. But the other part of it, too, is, I mean, what what does this episode hinge on? What What is kind of the motto of this episode? Believe the lie, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's a... That- it, yeah, they change the the opening credits where usually it says the truth is out there. It says believe the lie, yeah. which is an, in and of itself is a provocative statement. But that's what I think you know is so so interesting about the framing device of this episode, and also interesting about the 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 choice to use that as the motto for this episode because it it I mean if you if you take it literally, it puts it takes it it it, it takes into question or puts into question everything that's happening in this episode right like not only scully's testimony the fact that Mulder has killed himself which you know a okay is not i mean i keep saying this but he's not dead um but also the events that are going on around it the discovery of this body the fact that uh they apparently like poured this thing into the ice and they found this hole because remember that was the thing that happened when they were doing this they're like what is this weird hole at the top we don't know what that is um you know the fact that this michael Critchcow guy is he on the level or not you know there's a lot of factors involved here that yeah. are, are not being satisfactorily answered and i mean to broaden this out for us for for a minute though like you know the mythology episodes, I think, have really turned a corner yeah. in the fourth season. Like, they were getting very samey. And, you know, I think certainly on earlier in this season, uh, they were still kind of in that samey portion. But with the previous two-parter, Max and Tempest Fugit, and now this episode, the mythology episodes have wrapped back around to being really personal in a way that's interesting. Yeah, one of the issues I was having with the mythology is that 
You know, every time there's another element added and it's getting ridiculous. And, you know, these ep- these episodes are the tightest, are very tight mythology episodes. And part of the implication is, of them is that, yes, everything was getting ridiculous because this is all created as a smokescreen. Um, of course, anytime Mulder gets closer to an answer, they're going to throw in, the conspiracy is going to throw another element in there to confuse him, uh, to give him another rabbit hole to go under. And, you know, let's, but of course, because this is the X-Files and it is a very paranoid show, um, is Kritschgaus or whatever his name is, is him saying the conspiracy is not real. Is that just another rabbit hole for him? I mean, it is, I legitimately don't know if aliens are real in the show or not anymore. And I think that's a really, uh, clever thing for the show to have done. Um, you know, do aliens exist as we see them? You know, obviously the black oil is something of an extraterrestrial, you know, thing. But, you know, these greys that we've seen, are they just people mutated by smallpox? We don't know. And what what's really important is we don't know what this is all for. There is something a little more than just the existence of aliens at stake, which is going into the show what I thought all the conspiracy was about. I, yeah, I mean, I, I there's a lot to unpack there. I think that certainly Kritschgau puts into question everything that Mulder has been seeing and doing, and and this is a point that Mulder has gotten to before, and he's this is probably a point that Mulder's going to get to again. And you know, a lot of what the conspiracy episodes boil down to, and this one is no different, is that this time it's different, right? And it never is. I mean, in a certain sense, mythology episodes are like getting back together with your ex. Like this time it's going to be different and it never is because you're still the same people. Right. Yeah. And so like aliens exist, aliens don't exist. Mulder sees a down ship. Mulder finds a dead alien body, like whatever is going on. Uh, Mulder is only seeing a very small piece of the puzzle. And what Kritschkow is saying is not the conspiracy is not real, right? And and let's not forget, too, that we've seen this guy before. We know he works for the syndicate. So, like, that's yeah. that's a, a separate thing that the episode doesn't, um, you know, doesn't call out at all, which I actually like. It, it, it rewards you if you're paying attention, which is something that mythology episodes don't usually do. But... When Kritschkow is is kind of, you know, giving his little spiel to, to Mulder in his apartment and he's saying that basically what the conspiracy is boiling down to is that they want to discredit Mulder and they want him to go public with the knowledge of extraterrestrial life. And then it's going to be proven a fraud and then Mulder is never going to be able to do this ever again. What is the reason for that? Well, I don't know, but that seems plausible to me in a way that a lot of yeah. other, you know, like come to Jesus moments in the mythology episodes haven't seemed. Yeah. Um, and at the same time that, that is, you know, again, either aliens do exist, but they're using this fake alien to kind of prove that aliens don't really, you know, in other words, you know, every single fraudulent alien thing is going to add up to, people not believing in aliens and so the real aliens will be able to get their work done you know without bother um or again there is some other thing going on that this is all distracting against and they're pulling Mulder off of the scent of the real trail you know everything is red herrings in this it is it is red herrings and i mean there's certain there are certain elements of the mythology that that we know are are real. I mean, I I think we know the smallpox thing is real. We know the black oil is real. Yeah. Like we know these things exist. What they're used for, what the ultimate goal of any of this is, you know, we don't know. And I think that you know it's a little weird on the show's part to try and convince us that all of this is just to discredit Mulder because of course there's no way that's possibly true. You know, you don't set up these elaborate um, yeah. you know facilities in in Siberia. You don't have this like you know shadowy conspiracy. You don't have the cigarette smoking man. Uh, you know, ordering Skinner to destroy evidence, all just to discredit one man. Like, Mul- like frankly, Mulder's not that important. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, to be fair, Mulder is a thorn in everybody's side, and he certainly makes life difficult for people. But, you know, it's not like, even if this were real, him going public with it would change things. Right, yeah. I mean, because the thing is, like, 
even if he had irrefutable proof of extraterrestrial life, he still only has the one body. He doesn't even have that because it was stolen. Um, you know, this this idea that he was only supposed to believe the body was real, then they were going to steal it so he couldn't actually, um, you know, do any DNA testing or anything of that nature. Uh, is, is, is that like a good plan? I don't know. I, I think that like... They, it's probably a good plan. I think that that if Krichgau hadn't met with him, Mulder might have gone public with it, but but maybe not because once again we come back to Scully and we come back to Scully being the variable that they can't account for. You know, Mulder goes to Scully and says, "Yeah, I saw the body. We did an autopsy on it. Looked great. Everything looks fine. I'm going to call you know a press conference and invite all the newspapers and magazines and TV stations." And Scully's going to say, "Wait, wait, wait a second. Like, yeah, you're missing this piece of evidence. You're missing this piece of evidence. You know, you need to have all." your ducks lined up you need to have your eyes dotted and your t's crossed like you can't just go half cocked on this one piece of information you have and i think that's probably a more likely scenario or a more likely outcome than Critchgals. yeah and doesn't somebody mention a, I, somebody even says at one point like the same people who would be looking at this evidence and deciding if it was credible or not are the same people who are involved in this conspiracy so yeah even if he does get you know incontrovertible proof it, they, they'll still discredit that. Right, right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if the conspiracy is and, and, and the syndicate are so all-knowing and vast yeah. as to be able to engineer like this decades-long cover-up of whatever, um, they're going to be able to to discredit Mulder very easily, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think it's interesting when you say, you know, Scully is kind of the variable they count account for because that further goes with my idea that she is lying to this committee because – she is, in a way, telling everybody what they want to hear. Four years ago, you know, they t- said to Skelly, gee, you've got such a strong scientific background. You're going to look at this stuff and you're going to say, this is crap because A, B, and C. You know, all of this makes no sense. And that's exactly what she says in this meeting. Um, she says the exact thing she was expected to do, which, again, at this point, she knows there's something a little more up. This is a woman who went before the Senate and said that, you know, there are powerful men who are trying to are are untouchable and are trying to cover things up. And, you know, she is she stands by that statement enough to go into jail for a couple of days because of it. So um, I don't think she's going to make such a 180 unless it's a very deliberate move on her part. Yeah, no, I I think that's a really good point, and I had sort of forgotten about that that testi- testifying to Congress because yeah. you know you you could certainly make an argument that um you know people believe what they want to believe, and so even though she did that, her you know she came around and she decided that actually it wasn't true, and that you know whatever, yeah. right? I mean, there's a way to square that circle, but. I, I think that, yeah, you have to kind of look at it as what do we believe in this episode? What do we not believe? And I think that's the part of it that we don't believe. Yeah. And put it this way, even if she doesn't believe aliens exist, she believes, again, in these powerful men who are doing something. And I think she would uh, have made more of a point of that at this meeting. You know, she does believe that a crime or something unethical has happened, even if it's not just aliens. Something is right, being covered right. up. Now, leaving aside the conspiracy stuff, I, I do want to briefly touch on Scully's faith in this episode mm. or, or sort of her lack of faith because, mm. you know, this episode kind of, I don't know if it, it doesn't necessarily retcon Scully's faith, but I think it does, it, it put it in a different context because we haven't really seen her talk about it in a long time. We haven't really seen her engage with it in, in a long time. And, she has, in a sense, lost her faith. I mean, she has not turned back to it in a time of of, of great uh, discomfort and and uh, upset in her life. I mean, she doesn't really want to talk to the priest, and she's actually kind of, I think, pissed off that her mother put her in the <laughs> situation. And um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there's a lot to say about it. I, I think it makes sense for where Scully is, but there's something very sad about it because you know the X Files has made her lose something that that she really enjoyed and that she really took comfort in. And, I mean, I think in some ways she's making a distinction between having faith and being in the church because, you know, it can be – this is something that she says is very personal, the disease, and she doesn't want to talk to the the priest about it. She doesn't want to go to mass and, you know, pray to God, you know, openly and all of that, but – 
that's different from her own personal views and her own personal strength and all of that she, she's getting. You know, this is a woman who does believe that there are signs from God. Does that necessarily mean she has to go to mass and take communion and go to confession and all of that? No. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's right. And, and and that's kind of maybe even a broadening of her character or a maturation of her character where, you know, she's in, in a sense, she's getting closer to her faith yeah. because she is it allowing it to become more personal and not to be defined by outside forces. Yeah, that's true. Um, and there is a lot of, you know, the show has made several connections before, and this is reinforced uh, between whatever Mulder believes in and whatever Scully believes in. You know, they're talking about, you know, what if you could prove that God was real? You know, can you disprove it? You know, faith, you know, all of that. And, you know, she echoes a lot of those statements back to Mulder at the end of the episode. Well, you know, are you saying you need proof in aliens? You know, what does it matter in a way whether you have proof in ali- of aliens or not? You believe they exist. Why isn't that enough? Yeah, no, I, I think that's really right. Um, I, I just want to also briefly touch on uh, kind of the look of this episode. Mm. Uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I just think it's... There's something about the sort of um, I don't know where they filmed this in the mountains, but it looks great, and you can really tell the show has like a tremendous budget because you know for Ice, remember Ice back in the first season, they were basically using like stock footage and stuff, and now they're actually like flying these actors and camera crews and production people up into the mountains and filming there, and uh, it just looks really, really good. And I mean, like. I noticed there were a lot of shots done from overhead. There was that one of like the stairs of the Smithsonian and a few of the uh, committee meeting that Scully's in that are shot from above. Like, I don't know if that's meaning of anything, you know, if that is just the, but I mean, well, in a series, in an, in an episode that deals with the possibility of an observer from above, whether that's God or aliens, you know, it's not coincidental. We get a lot of shots from above. Yeah, no, I think that's really right. I mean, that there's there's a there's a textual or a subtextual component to that, and there's also a production component to that, of course, because you know crane shots take a, take longer to set up, and you know it's just a you know an increasing uh, sense of the show's you know confidence in the look of the of the show um, at this point, and and I think it's going to be really just something to keep in mind in the fifth season, and then leading up to to the first movie as well, because we're we're getting close to that point. We're only yeah. like I think ten or eleven weeks away from from the first X Files movie at this point. Oh wow. All right, well, I think we'll leave it there. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of The X-Files we just talked about, Demons or Gethsemane, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, as I said before, patreon.com slash trekaboutshow. It also supports our other podcast, Trekabout. This week, two days ago, we released the episode on the Star Trek Voyager episodes, Retrospect and The Killing Game. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're there for as long as those things exist because net neutrality has been repealed. Tuning in show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an Apple podcast review for the podcast. Okay, next week, fifth season of the X-Files. Are you ready? We're almost, almost halfway there. (laughs) Almost, almost is a good way to put it. (laughs) We're going to be talking about Redux and Redux 2. Mac, why do you...